You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. It is, it is good to be with you this morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited about this word. There, there are a lot of notes. I normally don't like to have a lot of notes, but I had to have a lot of notes because there's a lot of things I was going to forget if I didn't have a lot of notes. So if you see me reading the paper, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to... I know you guys love when I stare at you while I'm preaching from the stage. I know that's a lot of your favorite part when I make eye contact and you don't know what to do because if you break away, you feel rude, but you feel like you're under pressure and under fire when I'm looking straight at you. Um, I know you guys treasure and love that part. But I'm going to have to take some of that away from you this morning. I I apologize ahead of time. Um, One, I just uh, I just want to reflect on the goodness of God before we get started. Um, This is just this is just mine. But I I love sharing this story. You know, I was when I was in college, I was a part of a worship team and a worship band. We uh, we I, I was completely and totally alone. I had I had. Been saved when I was a kid, but I had definitely not walked with the Lord when I went off to college. I had some stuff happen within the church, and I just said, forget this. The church is clearly not real. The Lord can't be real if this is how the people of God treat each other. And I left, and I went, I left, and then I went to college. And so I jumped into the world as heavy as you can jump into it. Um, and after the Lord brought me out of that darkness, he, he gave me... One friend that just happened to have gone to the same high school I went to graduated three years before I did, so we never knew each other. I had, a, I had 1,100, 1,500 kids in my graduating class. So it was very easy to not know somebody in my high school. Um, and he just happened to be one of them. His name was Joel Harrell. He's a worship pastor in, in I think, Columbus, Ohio right now. Um, but he introduced me to a group of guys, and as we started coming closer and becoming friends, all loving music, all musicians. We just felt this call and pull in our lives to start a worship uh, band and to go around and we got to tour and we got to do all the cool stuff, make albums and all that fun stuff. But what the Lord really had intended for it was that we would get to a point that one day we could lead worship on campus because the pastors, the college ministry pastors, Kendall McDonald, who came from here being one of those pastors, um, had this vision of unity, that we would stop having all these multiple college services, but that we would be united together on campus uh, for a night of worship. And that's all it was. We would come and we would praise God on campus. And the Lord was allowing this group of guys that I was with and, and girls that we were playing music with for several years, he was preparing us that we could take that mantle and lead worship in that for that for that time. And that was one of the most exciting, exhilarating, fun times of my life. And in that, in one of those worship services, I met my wife. Um, We had actually recorded a live worship album the night before the service. And so we were packing up all of our sound equipment and we were getting ready to bring it over to the Kennedy Auditorium on campus where we played. And my friend, as we're packing it up in a living room, he said, you know, you need to meet this girl, Sarah Clark. It's like, I don't know why, but she just popped in my head. She'd be perfect for you. I'm like, sweet, because I'm super single and uh, would love for that to not be the case. Uh, 
But then I go to, what, what's the first thing that we millennials do? I hear a name, where am I at? I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the things, trying to figure out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stalk her real fast. Guess who doesn't have social media? That one. Oh, now, I, is she crazy? Is she just too cool? I don't know. Is, is she wild? Is this a cruel prank? And he's just hoping that this blows up in my face. My friend, he's known to be like that. So uh, we weren't always so nice to each other. So I didn't know. But anyways, it was that evening. We're playing in this auditorium and the Lord just had a specific moment through the service. And so we were just, we were operating in this moment and this girl walks down for this part of the service and she operates in obedience to the Lord in this time. She gets up in front of everybody um, for this moment in this service. And as, as we're up there, my buddy's like, that's her, that's the one. And she's in cowboy boots. And so I'm just like, well, I'm hooked. I, that's all I needed to see. She's got cowboy boots on, she's gonna work. This is gonna be good. Uh, but it took me a week to get the courage to go talk to her. And then when I did talk to her, even with my week of preparation, it was not smooth or pretty at all. I think I asked her out because she was talking about her brothers and that they were musicians as well. And it's like, well, I'd, I'd love to hear about your brothers sometime if you want to get coffee with me. Like the lamest request ever. And for some reason she said yes. But anyways, I was reflecting on it this morning. I met my wife praising the Lord. And this morning I got to lead worship with my wife. Wow. Praise God. He has so much more in store for us than we could ever imagine, than we could ever dream. He has blessings beyond our wildest dreams. All we need to do is say yes to what he has. Say yes. I didn't have any problem saying yes to Sarah. The Lord had to work on her with saying yes to me. I was a work in progress, okay? It was a bit of a project, but she's got it lined out. But church, we are, we are in a season a beautiful season with the Lord where he wants us to see the blessings that he has in store for us that we did not ever imagine for ourselves. Beyond our wildest dream, there are blessings for you in the days ahead. The days ahead, there are blessings. This is a season where we are going out and we are reclaiming. We are going after that which has been stolen out of our camp. Our joy, our hope, our peace, our kindness, our praise, our obedience, and our relationship with him. These are things that have been stolen from us, from the people of God. Not because it was a force that we could not stand against, but it was a force that we gladly gave these things to. What did we do through this pandemic but give of ourselves that which was from the Lord? We freely gave it away. And we became a hopeless people a people without joy, a people that cease to praise, and a people absent relationship. And the Lord has said, now is the time. That will be no more. You will reclaim that which you gave away. He is giving us the power and the permission and the authority to go out and take back that which we have given to the enemy's camp to reclaim for ourselves and not just reclaim it for us, but reclaim it for those around us. Because there are some that are too tired, too weary to come with us in this reclaiming campaign but we will bring it back to them. We will bring back joy because we will overflow with joy and they will be affected by it. If I hold a cup under a faucet and I hold it there till it overflows and I continue to hold it there, what's gonna get wet? My hand. So if we exist in that overflow, there's a lot more that, that, that 
that water of life that flows from the throne room of God, it's a lot more that, that it's going to touch besides just us. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. The Lord has beautiful things for us in this season that we again could be a people of deep relationship with our Father. That if the world seeks to label us, that they would label us as radicals. Because what do we know in the heart of God is a, radical, a, a person in the Christian faith who the world deems as radical, what do we know that to be? That's just a person who is full of passion for their Savior. Full of passion. And when did passion become a negative thing? It has been made a negative thing in the world, but it is not a negative thing in the eyes of the Lord. It is who we are meant to be. His love has been passionate toward us since day one. So why would ours not also be full of passion? If you want to label one word towards the love of God, would it not be passionate love? Nothing stands in the way. This, this set that Sarah prepared for us, beautiful set, unity in the spirit, because it, it walks through musically everything we're going to talk about this morning. It's a wonderful, wonderful set. And I just, it's so exciting. She said, too, as the, as the Lord put that first song on our heart, as, we were, as she was finishing up in here, we, we had this rare opportunity where we were in the same building at the same time without kids. It was wonderful. We weren't even talking to each other, but it was just nice time, right? And I just happened to wrap up this word, finish it with the Lord and processing it and getting it onto paper as she walks into the office. I mean, I put the period and then boom, she opens the door. Unity in the spirit, even in the sense of time. The Lord had the message from her and the message from me to us and it was built and then we were going. And so there's just such unity in this morning and it's, it's an exciting morning. His love is passionate toward us. Why would ours not also be full of passion? Because it is he again who supplies it, amen? It is not with our love. If I try to love you within myself, I'm gonna do a really bad job. Because the second you do anything wrong towards me, my love is affected. The second you don't show up when I need you. The second you, I, I hear a rumor. The second you do something, the, the second you miss a Sunday, right? My love will be affected because it's within me. But if the love comes from the Lord as we are intended to allow, we are a vessel for the presence and love of God to flow in us, to us and then from us. It is not affected by circumstances. Amen. It is not affected by anything around us. And we are meant to love the Lord with this love that he supplies us. You are not meant to love him with your own love because your own love will fail every time. His love is never failing. And as we recapture these things that he's sending us out to get, we not only reclaim them again for ourselves, but we reclaim them for those around us. And how do we begin this? This is what we spoke about last week. We become available. We must be available to his call and then be obedient to it. You can't just sit there and say, okay, Lord, I'm available to whatever you need from me, whatever you would ask me to do. I'm available. Whatever work you need to do in my heart, do it. And then he starts doing it and we're like, ah, well, no, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Let's not do it today. Let's work, worry about it later. We have to be available and then we have to be obedient. The Lord has been leading us to this point. Since the release of Exodus 14, do you remember the story in Exodus 14? This was, this was several months ago as we read this and the Lord spoke this to us. As the Israelites come to the edge of the water, 
What was our response? What was the Lord saying? This is our response in this season is to say yes and move forward. To find his provision, to find his blessing, to find the next word of revelation along the way instead of standing still at the shore. He's already given us all we need. He's already commanded us with all that we need to be commanded. He has said, move forward and say yes to what I bring to you. That's what he said. Let's look at this story in Exodus 14. We'll be in verse 10. This has everything to do with where we're going this morning. So um, it's important. Exodus 14, verse 10. Scripture will be up in a little bit. Um, some of you, I'm so sorry, you're just going to have to use your Bible. Okay, tough day. Hard stuff. Exodus 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near... The people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it is, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? They have literally just seen Pharaoh be disobedient to the word of God and plagues released upon a nation. They have literally seen and heard of Pharaoh's firstborn son being killed by the angel of death. And immediately, immediately they've forgotten and immediately they doubt God again. That, how, how often is that us? We have short-term memory loss. The Lord will work on your behalf today and then tomorrow you'll forget what he did yesterday. We cannot be those people any longer. We must recall, we must remember what the Lord has done on our behalf. Amen. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which, we will, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Church, we do this all the time. We as people, we look back at a life of slavery, a life of bondage, and because it was familiar, we seek to return to it. Because you could predict what each day would hold, even if each day held turmoil, brokenness, hopelessness, joyless, a joyless day. But we seek to return to bondage all the time. Why? Because it's familiar. But it is not for you. You were never made for it. And it is not good for you. For freedom, he set us free. We need to learn how to live and enjoy the freedom that God has given us. Instead of running back to the bondage that the enemy has for us. The Lord revealed in this a choice. As we read this, as we first went through this. And it's the same choice that the Israelites faced in this passage. We had a choice. As we came upon the cusp and we know now this is so beautiful to think about when this word was brought to this house several months ago last year when this word was brought. We now know we can look back at what the Lord was going to do. He had revival for the nations in store and he needed us to say yes and move forward because the word that he had was if you stay put where you are right now, you will die. 
It was the same word for the Israelites. It's the same word for the Israelites. You can either move forward and trust that I have your best interests. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Or you can stay put and be destroyed by your oppressors who are seeking to destroy you. That was the same choice for us. And what was the command of the Lord? Then Moses said, then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. That was his command. That was his command since they left Egypt. Go forward and trust that the Lord is faithful and he will provide. And so what did they do? They moved forward. They said yes and they moved forward. They allowed him to lead them and move mightily on their behalf. And he has commanded us to say yes and to move forward. And this is the result of our trust. We'll finish uh, this, this portion of the, of the story. We'll be in verse 16. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the hosts of Egypt and the host of Israel. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. He literally, can you, okay, just, I'm a visual person, right? I'm a visual person. I, I learn by seeing and, and imagining it. The Lord speaks to me in pictures. I'm a visual person. So just for a second, visualize with me. They're walking through a sea on dry ground. There's walls of water next to them. And not only that, but now this cloud of might and power rushes over them and goes behind them and then ceases the Egyptians from catching up to them. What more do you need to trust in the faithfulness of God than that one story, that one moment, and that one day? This is in, this is in one day. This is in one day. They've left Egypt. They are free from their captors. And this, in one day, the first test to see if the Lord is faithful, this is the display that they get. Wow. Can you imagine such a display? Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariots' wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, 
Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall on them to them on their right hand and on their left hand. Thus says the Lord, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and then his servant Moses. The provision of God found in the storm, not outside of it, right? What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? We have got to get out of the mindset of escape from a circumstance and allow the Lord to lead us through it. Right. The Lord didn't find plot a course. Okay, well, you need to run around the sea. No, he plotted a course through the circumstance and there was blessing within it. There was a display of his might and his power and his favor towards them. And he destroyed all that was coming against his children. What does it say? Who can stand against God's elect? There is no one. But we do not get to see that if we are constantly trying to get away from the circumstance instead of allowing the Lord to lead us through it. There is blessing within the storm. They said yes, and maybe not all of them said yes, but enough of them said yes, and they moved forward. And their response, after all of this, a powerful display, the response to what just happened is Exodus 15. This is the response that the Israelites immediately have. After, what, after everything the Lord had just done in Exodus 14. This, this passage is, uh, is known as Moses' song or Miriam's song. Uh, Miriam was Moses' sister. Uh, she has a pretty profound and awesome testimony and story. Um, really, really cool. If you want to study that, go ahead. We don't have time to get into it this morning, but Miriam is, is a cool figure in the scripture. Um, one of the few women uh, within the Old Testament that really um, we hear a lot about her story. But Miriam's song is a song of declaration that ushers, in us, ushers us into redemption. It ushers us into redemption. This song is also known as the redemption song. This is also its name. Miriam's song, Moses' song, or the redemption song. The praise to God in response to the redemption that Israelites have just experienced. Okay, it's praise unto God. Now we're going to start reading that passage. So we'll be in Exodus 15. We'll be in verse one. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. 
In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You outstretched your right hand. The earth will swallow them. You have led in your steadfast love and the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. One, I, I, I love that. I love verse eight. Um, it says an exhale of the Lord's nostril. Right. You can blow a lot harder. You can exhale a lot harder with your mouth. Right. No one blows out a candy with their nose or a cake with their nose, right? Yeah, that's not good. It's not going to end well because you just can't push a lot out with some funny stuff coming with it, right? But the Lord, the enemy, gets an army of an entire nation that has impressed the Israelites for years and years and years and years and years, hundreds of years. He gets this army to come and destroy God's people. And all the Lord has to do is exhale out of his nose and he destroys the work of the enemy. That's how effortless it is for this God that we serve, this God that is ours, this father, this good and loving, perfect father that calls us his sons and his daughters. That is how powerful he is, that he could effortlessly just breathe out and destroy a nation a mighty nation that sought to destroy his people. And with this same nose, I love 2 Corinthians. I just like thinking about this because 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, for we are to God the sweet aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So this same God, he breathes in the fragrance of our life lived to him. His delight is in you. When you say yes to him, it is like a sweet fragrance to him. He breathes it in. It's wonderful to him. And as he exhales, he destroys everything coming against you. Isn't that wonderful? As you walk in obedience, he breathes you in and it is his delight. And as he breathes you out, as you remain in the will of God, everything seeking to destroy you and prevent you and discourage you, distract you, divide you from the will of God for your story is destroyed in that moment. It's powerful. He is delighted with you and he breathes you in and he exhales and he destroys your enemy for he is above all. Can we just think about that for a second? God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is above all. Now, when we think about that, I was, I was thinking about this this week. When we think that someone is above somebody else in the world, that's not very positive, is it? They think they're above everybody, right? With that mentality comes the implication that they think they're better than their neighbor. That is not what we're talking about when it comes to Jesus. It is not an arrogant thing. 
It is an empowering thing. It is meant to be empowering in us because this God who is above all, where does he rest? In us. In us. So when we say that he is above all, that means that he is not equal to our circumstances. He is not equal to your circumstance. That doesn't mean that he doesn't value your circumstance. Again, that's not what it is. It's not an arrogance. But his circumstance, as we are in the midst of circumstances, he is outside of them. He is not controlled by them. The sun will go up and the sun will go down. We are dictated by time and by all these other factors. The Lord is outside of all of these things. He is above all. Amen. With power and authority, he is above all because he has ascended. He did not only raise, he was not only risen from the grave, but he ascended above the earth and he sits in heavenly places. Amen. Jesus is above, he is above our issues, he is above our trauma, he is above our circumstances, he is above our illness, he is above all. And you, church, child of God, are found in him. Colossians 3, 3 says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are found, you are hidden in the heart of Jesus before the Father. Ephesians 2, 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He is above all because he has ascended and you are hidden in him, seated in heavenly places. So what you face has no authority over you in Jesus' name. Because you too are above all. Because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are found in him. And if he is above all, then you being found in him are above all. Your circumstances, your the things that we face each and every day has no authority over you. He is not equal to it. We need to stop looking at these things that we face in each and every day as equals to us. For you are above because of the victory that he has won, amen? He has won it for you. He moves mightily on your behalf. He brings us into victory. As we see in this redemption song, he will bring us into victory. He will usher us into victory. Exodus 15, verse 20. Then Miriam, and the, prophetess, Miriam the prophetess and sister of Aaron took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. The key church to us beholding the Lord, to understanding his kingdom and carrying his power and his authority and his love and his kindness, that we may go out and reclaim what has been lost to us, that we could again have relationship with him, operating in correct identity as we are meant to operate in, is the song of praise, victory, and redemption. Right in this. It is held within this. I love the set list that we had this morning because it told of the story of him moving on our behalf and what was our response. The last song is our response. How we fight our battles is we sing the name of Jesus. We praise God for we are victorious. That doesn't make sense to the world. You don't fight a battle by singing. You fight a battle by fighting. But we sing because we know we're victorious. Every battle Every circumstance, every issue, you have already been anointed victoriously over it. So our response is to sing. As the Israelites did and the walls come crashing down. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
You are victorious before you've even started. And so we get to sing praise to God. The Lord has been, have, he's, he's had us focus on praise uh, for, so, for so many weeks now, several weeks. And it is, it is because it is our response to the things that he is doing. And we have to have a response. We have to check in. We have to pay attention to what he's doing around us. Miriam's song, it speaks to the loyalty of God. It speaks to the reality that he is loyal and he is faithful. This is an important word that we would recognize that he is loyal to us. He is faithful to us. These are not actions, church. These are not simply actions. What does an apple tree produce? Apples. It's the fruit of its identity, is it not? The the identity is found in the roots and that identity produces fruit. You want to know why God is loyal. You want to know why God is faithful to us. Because that is literally who he is. He is loyal. That is his name. He is faithful. That is his name. That is why the fruit that he will always produce in your life is loyal and faithful. This is who he is. Revelation 19.11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His name is Faithful and True. This is who he is. And how many know that you can't change the identity given by God? Right? We talked about this this morning in Sunday school. A lie cannot change the truth. That's, it cannot change the truth. A lie does not change the facts. How many know, just show of hands, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page, that the sun will set this evening? Duh, right? That's an easy one. I'm just setting you up for good stuff, right? And if I sat up here and told you, the sun will not set. Even if you believe me, does that lie change the truth? Absolutely not. How many know identity is the same? It is written in the heart of God. It has existed before you existed because you have always existed in the heart of God and he has had purpose and plans and wonderful and beautiful things in store for you. And he has given you a name, a piece of himself that you carry in this story. And there is not anything that the enemy, that the enemy can do that you can do that will change that truth about you. You are who you are because the Lord has determined it and nothing else. And he is who he is because this, this is truth and nothing can influence it and nothing can change it. Amen. His identity is faithful. Meaning he stands ready, looking at us, waiting for us to turn because he never turns from us. We've got to get that in our minds. For some reason, we have an issue with this in the church today. We think God turns away from us. If he is faithful and true, if that is his name, how could he ever turn away from us? He has to be faithful to his word. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, did he not? So if he leaves us and forsakes us, he's not faithful because he's not true because he lied. Can that be God? That cannot be God. He is faithful. He is true. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He does not turn away from us. We turn from him. There is no shadow of turning in him. Second Timothy 2, 3 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Amen. In Exodus 15, it speaks of his loyalty. And now 
the reason there was a lot of notes this morning and the reason I had to read so much and stay so glued to this paper is because this is a two-parter. We've got to talk more about this next week, but there was a lot of information, a lot of groundwork that had to be laid. And the groundwork, what I specifically need us to be looking at and paying attention to is his lordship. Exodus 15, it not only speaks of his loyalty, but it speaks of his lordship. In society today, we are completely and totally disconnected from design. We have limitless information at our fingertips. I can learn anything about anything right now. All I got to do is go to handy dandy Google and start learning, right? I can Google anything. I can learn anything I want to learn. I can immediately do this. I can go to different things. I don't know how many times. It's just a, uh, something that Randy used to say, but he used to say, I just need to go to YouTube University, right? Because all you got to do is watch YouTube and all of a sudden everybody's an expert, right? I've watched YouTube three times. I don't know how many times I've encountered people that just attend YouTube University and they really know nothing about the design of what they're coming into, Right? We have limitless information at our fingertips. We can research any problem. We can diagnose any problem. But we can never offer solutions. And why? Because we are not the Lord of our lives. We need to hear that. We need to receive that, church. You are not the Lord of your life. He is. We are not the designer. We are not the creator. We are not the author. And we are not the perfecter. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you believe this to be true? You have not designed your story. You did not give yourself breath. You did not give yourself life. He has done this. I've been thinking about this as, uh, just as a people being disconnected from design. And we've, we've entered into, and you have every right to disagree with me. No problem there at all. You can disagree all you want. This is just what I've found in my own study. We're in a new time change, right? This is the new time because people said so. So this is what we get. When I was younger, I was about it. I loved it. Mainly because I never, I woke up with the sun no matter what time of year it was because I was lazy and I slept in, right? So it didn't matter. I was waking up at 11 anyways and the sun was always going to be up. And then I had all this extra time to like West Texas. I moved out here and I loved it because 10 o'clock, it's just getting dark. This is great. But now I have children. And that doesn't work. Because one, just personally, I'm out working. I'm not looking at what time it is. I'm just working. Because I've used the sun going down and getting darker as the natural indicator that, okay, I need, probably need to go home. Probably need to stop. There have been several times I get so frustrated because I finish work and I look down I'm like, uh-oh, I've missed all of my children's bedtimes. And so they're either up driving their mother insane or she's exhausted because she wrangled all three of them by herself. Doesn't work. It also doesn't work because we turn out the lights in their room and what do they have shining in their window? Big old sun, big old nightlight. And so guess who doesn't go to sleep till 9.30? Our children, which leaves more time for mischievous activities and things to be broken. But the time change, the reason they switched to this, and this is just what I've read. This is the articles that have come out. 
they're switching to this because they believe this will help with the pandemic of anxiety and depression that we have in our nation right now. They believe it will help. It will aid in that giving people more daylight will help. Um, It's interesting to me though, because we have just gotten further away from the design of the Father. The natural time is the time that we just switched off of. This is the, that's, a, that's just a fact. That's the natural time. And we've moved away from that in order to try to fix something that is not of God. Anxiety and depression in your story is not of the Lord. It is not for you. And the Lord has every desire to free you from it. But what has to happen? I can't offer the solution. It has to be the designer. It has to be the creator, the one that knows your heart. He has to be the one offering solutions. What did Jay talk about several weeks ago? We mentioned it again last week. We cannot fix a problem by staring at the problem. We as people of God cannot look for heavenly solutions in worldly situations. We have to look up. I will not ever find a heavenly solution by looking at the worldly problem. Where will I find it? When I look up and I see Jesus. That is where the solution is. He will give it and then we get to implement into the world. But if we just sit there and stare at the problem, how many know the problem will never get fixed? I will run and run and run and run and run myself ragged trying to solve that problem. But all the Lord needs us to do is to look up and see the heavenly solution he has in store for a worldly problem. We cannot fix these things because we are not the Lord of our lives. He has the solutions. He has the plan. He has the working. There are things in my story, aspects of my life, issues within my story that needed to be fixed. Things about me that were not as the Lord intended. And those were fixed because I answered a call to be a youth pastor that in that moment did not look like it had anything to do with the problem. But he's had solutions, heavenly solutions for my worldly problems held in obedience to his lordship. That is what his lordship is. Our response to it is simply saying yes and moving forward. He is Lord and he is Lord of my life. I say yes, amen, and I move forward. That is lordship. How many of you know that there are limitless, he is limitless in the solutions that he can bring. But for some reason, again, we view lordship, especially in the world, and we adopt it in the church, but we view lordship as limitation. We see submitting our lives to his rule and reign as becoming less than. We do this in the church. We think that if I'm going to say yes to the Lord and the call and my life is going to be his, just let's just get this straight really quick because we have this confused. I got to meet with Randy and he just laid this out again. It was one of those beautiful things where we read through scripture and we've read it a thousand times, but we've never allowed the words to sink in. But what does scripture say? It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So that means your life is not your own any longer. You died. It is now Christ in you. You are simply a vessel for the presence of God. I say simply, that's a pretty profound and extravagant and wonderful thing. But we see this as weakness. 
in the church. I'm telling you right now, the dreams that I had as a 10-year-old have been answered within the will of God and not outside of it. My life, I, I have been abundantly blessed beyond anything I could see, measure, or ever know, or calculate, or fathom. All of that within the will of God, never outside of it. Never operating as this is my life and not his. Only when I've said this is your life, not mine, have I come into a rich inheritance. It's so funny. I was, I've just, my daughter is just rules my world. She consumes everything about me. I think about her and my, my, my wife and my kids constantly. But what the Lord spoke has been speaking to me over the last two weeks as I'm just enjoying time with her. She's at that just that blast of an age where she's getting into everything. She's mobile. She's talking a lot. Not a lot of words, but she's talking. Um, and she's moving. She's interacting. She just loves her people. And it's just so much fun to interact with them at this age. And as I'm sitting there playing with my daughter, the Lord speaks. She is the, she is the manifestation of dreams. And he starts reminding me of how I always wanted a, a little girl. I didn't want all girls, I wanted one. I wanted boys and a little girl. And Sarah and I had this dream when we started having kids, two boys and a girl would be awesome. We got it. Like that, I don't know how that happened, just all Jesus, because that's not how it happens. You don't get to plan those kind of things. But we also wanted a little girl with curls and hazel eyes. Silly things. And I'm looking at her and as she overflows with curls, Every hair, it, as soon as it gets long enough, it's like, whoop, real tight and springy. I'm like, yes, because my boys didn't get my hair. And I, don't, I, I had hair at one point, I promise. Some of you have been here long enough to where you remember when I attended here with stuff on top of my head. Um, but when I was a kid, I had an afro. I mean, it was thick, thick curls. I loved it. My brother still has the hair. I don't know why the Lord liked him more, I guess. I don't know. Um, so now this little girl has these things and I'm just, I'm looking and I'm reflecting at this that he has answered far beyond anything I've ever asked for. But that's only been found, that's only been discovered when I've said yes to his lordship and I've walked in obedience to his call. His lordship is not weakness. His lordship has more than you could ever see, fathom, or understand. It is not becoming less. You will become more than you ever dreamed or imagined for yourself as you say yes to the lordship of God over your lives. To recognize that he is lord and I am not. He reigns and I do not. His lordship and living obedient to it is also church. And this is the main part of this and this is where I'll leave you this morning. But his lordship and being obedient to his call, saying yes, because he is Lord and he is worthy of my time, of my attention. He is Lord of my life. I say yes to you. When we say yes to his lordship, we are invited into his authority. But you cannot have his authority without saying yes to his lordship. You cannot be friends with, we, we get into this habit. We want to be friends with God. I want to call him a friend. You cannot call him a friend if you have not first said yes to his lordship over your story. We don't just get to be buddy-buddy with the creator of the universe. 
We must first submit to him. Say yes, that he is Lord of my life. I am not Lord of my life. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And in that place, I have access to his friendship, but not just his friendship, his authority. And we are entering into a season where the people of God are called to walk in authority. That when we speak, things happen. When we cast things out, they flee. When we enter a room, the atmosphere shifts. When we say, rise up and walk, that person rises up and walks. When we cast out demons, they run fearful. This moment of authority, it has come and it is for you now, but you cannot access it if you are not willing to say yes to his lordship over your life. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is designer. He is creator. There is no point in me being Lord over my life because I can't do it as good as he can. So just get out of his way. Again, all things are made for him and through him. You are not made for yourself. You are made for him. So all of your purpose, all of your destiny, all of the wonderful and beautiful things in your story are to be found in him and not without him. Say yes to his lordship and you are invited into his authority. But you cannot be invited into his authority. And this is why the Christian people, as we look at it today in America right now, they seem to be a people without any power or authority absent power and authority. We don't see signs and wonders anymore. You can't see signs and wonders if you have no authority to speak them into existence. But you want to see signs and wonders. Say yes to his lordship. Be obedient to his call and you will have his authority. Do you hear what I'm saying to you, church? Say yes to him. This is the word and this is part one and we'll, we'll be in part two next week. But my challenge for you this week is to allow him to reveal to you where you have said no to his lordship in your story and change your answer. That you can be invited, that all of us together can be invited into his authority. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.